Hey corn growers, welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Independent. This is our first one of the new year, so we hope everyone had a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And in the spirit of, uh, I guess, New Year's resolutions, that's kind of going to be what we talk about today, right, Gentle? Ryan Gentle on today with myself, Eric Wilson. Ryan and I approached the rest of the, our, our team, our product and agronomy team, and we had each one of us come up, myself and Ryan included, each one of us come up with a New Year's resolution for farmers. So something that we think uh, you guys as corn growers should be paying attention to or thinking about going into plant 24 will be here before we know it. But with that, do you want to go ahead and cover your topic first, Ryan? have to apologize. I just got back from the gym, you know, trying to keep up my resolution so i got a little sweat in my eyes but uh i'll do the best i can here for you sweat it out gentle sweat it out one too many pieces of pie you know um i guess the one one thing i i thought of that is always good this time of year uh once you kind of get your seed decisions made is um you know get with that trusted seed advisor again um before planting season and kind of go over a field by field plan um a lot of times we've got certain hybrids that will work a lot better on different kinds of soil types. And, uh, and also uh, very important is to talk to them about population too. Um, some of our hybrids definitely flex more than others. Um, some maybe do better at a little lower population on lighter ground and a little higher population on heavier ground. Um, that's all something, uh, just a, a meeting or over lunch or, or breakfast or something that you can work out with your your seed salesman and or and or agronomist and uh, really uh, maximize your potential there rather than just dumping it in the planter and setting it at one population and that's what you do on every farm every field i love this one um and, and it seems so simple to do but oftentimes i think it gets uh just kind of forgotten about and and what i've noticed is the guys you know guys that do sit down and kind of make a planting plan or hybrid placement plan or whatever you want to call it, you know, it doesn't always go exactly like you plan, but it definitely goes better than if you don't plan it at all. So I, I love this, this topic. Exactly. We always know that, you know, there's going to be a rain out or something that changes plans a little bit, but like you said, if you don't have a plan at all, you're, you're, you're just kind of winging it. So I'll go ahead and cover mine next. Um, you know, so with the dry conditions last year, uh, for a lot of the regions that I cover, you know, I have, I have a lot of guys concerned that <clears throat> possibly they could be going into, you know, another dry year, much like they had last year, kind of the old saying, like, you know, drought persists, drought breeds drought. Um, and one of the call outs that I want to make to uh, not necessarily specific to guys in my regions, but just in general is now's a good time to do uh, what I would call like a, a fertility or a fertilizer status check in your fields. So uh, last year with the reduced water uptake, we saw a lot of nutrient deficiencies. And, and for the most part, I will say, you know, the dry conditions are why we saw those nutrient deficiencies in a lot of fields. But something I want to call out with that is when you have dry conditions and you're just moving less water overall through that crop in a growing season, that makes it even more important to make sure that you do have uh, your soil test P and K levels as well as other micro and macronutrients where they should be, meaning like they're at optimum level or better in that soil. Um, that's just going to give you more opportunity 
to concentrate more nutrients with less water moving through that plant. Uh, and that's especially important in a dry year, but, but honestly, it's important every year. Um, so now is a good time to sit down, kind of go through, uh, work with your agronomist or your crop consultant or whoever uh, you work with to do your soil samples and kind of go through some of those maps and, and just kind of recheck some things and see, okay, you know, is the home farm where it needs to be? Is grandma's back 40 where it needs to be for fertilizer? Because um, all those little things matter, especially when you have drier conditions. For sure, Eric. I know in June, before we got the, the wind and the rain, and almost every cornfield around here was showing some uh, deficiency and turning yellow and uh, just took a little time for a little rain to move that, move that product through the, uh, through the soil and, uh, kind of cured itself. But, um, there's a lot of guys getting pretty nervous, uh, when they see their fields turn yellow like that. Absolutely. Well, I think we can move on now to, uh, Dr. Tharp's topic that he brought up. So the, <clears throat> he's the brains of the operation on our team. So this one should be pretty high level. What he uh, come up with was uh, doing some population strips. Um, I think there's probably some some farmers out there, customers out there that maybe uh, are leaving just a little bit on the table uh, in some certain areas or certain types of soil with certain hybrids. And, uh, you know, the only way you're really going to be able to check that on your farm is to up your population for a few strips uh, in, a, in a few fields out there. And more than just a thousand plants, we're talking, you know, if you plant at 36, maybe you bump it up to, uh, you know, 40,000, 39, 40,000, you know, three to three to 5,000 increase from where you normally plant um, and, and do it in a, in a couple different fields with a couple different hybrids and uh, just see if you get a response there because uh, a lot of times you do uh, with a little bit higher population. I like this one too, and it kind of go, ties back into your making a planning plan, you know, season-long plan, but bump it up from whatever your your comfort zone is, you know. But bump, I like to tell guys, what 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 number is going to make you uncomfortable when I have this conversation? And they'll throw out a number, and then I'll add, you know, two to it, to a couple thousand, and then I'll say, that's what I want you to try, right? So like you said, Ryan, if you're at 30 or uh, excuse me, 36, bumping it up to 40 or even 42. And, and keep in mind, we're not asking, you know, you to plant whole fields at this range, but pick two or three fields and put, put a pass out there and, and keep track of it. And the nice thing about that now is so many guys have, you know, electric drive or variable rate planners. You can do this all from the cab. Doesn't require you to get out of the field. It's very easy. Yeah. It, it's so simple to do and and it gets logged in in whatever monitor you're using and you can follow it through the season and it's a great way to see you know just kind of do a status check of your own okay what what kind of population is my ground capable of taking yeah i think jared had an example up up in the land of the vikings there that uh, a guy accidentally planted um some at seventy thousand and left a uh strip he decided to just leave it and it actually yielded yep. a little bit more than the rest of the field planted at 36 which is kind of crazy um i'm sure the stocks were about as big around as my pinky but that's always a risk you run to when you bump it up but um just kind of a neat example there where i would have never guessed seventy thousand would have outdid the the 36 
Yeah, that I mean that that's high enough to make me uncomfortable for sure. Yeah. It was with a it, it it was with a good hybrid. I mean, I think it was fifty eighty six W fifty eighty six was the hybrid he used, and it did. It sounded. I don't think he had the final numbers yet, but it, it was significantly more than the thirty six thousand. Uh, not saying take it to seventy, but you know, forties forties not an unreasonable number to just to experiment with. You start reading about some of the national corn growers and some of these plots. Um, a lot of them are in the 40,000 range. Uh, you don't see too many of them planted at 32 or 34 that are winning. Right. All right, Eric, I think you've got the next topic from Mr. Goplin. Yep. Still on the same topic of Goplin up there in the uh, Great White North. I thought this was an interesting one. Honestly, I hadn't thought about it, but when he when he presented it, I... I I knew that this kind of issue, or I guess I'm not, I don't want to call it an issue, but I knew this thing existed, uh, but I just never thought about it. So I thought this was a great call out. So uh, basically his resolution is uh, know what you're spraying and what you're trying to control. He kind of got into this a little bit on his own operation, you know, when he was sat down last year to order chemicals for herbicide and looking at premixes and generics and things like that. Um, what he, what he started noticing and, you know, this is in some, not all, I'm not going to call out anything specific, but, uh, and a lot of these premixes, although it might have two, three, maybe even four chemicals in it for weed control, they're not always at the rates that are necessary needed to control, uh, specific weeds. So one example he uses, okay, if you've got a premix that has acetochlor in it and your biggest issue is say water hemp. Uh, the other two chemicals in that premix other than acetochlor aren't really going to do much for water hemp. And then with that, check the rate of how much acetochlor is in that premix. And kind of what he just landed on is you might be better off in some instances making that premix on your own using a higher rate of acetochlor or just, you know, some straight dual to make that premix to get that rate that you need to control the specific weeds that you are fighting on your operation. I thought that was a great call out because um, it's, you know, a lot of times we just look at, okay, what's it got for active ingredients? Yep. It's got these three. Those are going to, those are going to cover my needs. We don't always pay attention to the rate uh, that we're applying that premix at and specifically the rate of each of those active ingredients in that premix. You mean I've got a actually read the label, Eric? Oh, yeah. Uh, you got to read the label. You might even have to do a little math, General. So get your phone out because I know it's got a calculator. Gotcha. <laughs> Getting tricky. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, especially some of these guys. Water hemp's a great example. I know we fight that on our operation too. And, and we've started doing some very targeted, I guess I'll call it spray recipes to better control water hemp. So all good things to pay attention to. I think that leads us to our last topic. I'll let you, uh, let you cover that one. Sounds good. Um, we get this a lot, this question, you know, or a grower will make a comment. Well, I, I used X product or I use this, uh, biological for example. Um, and man, it worked great. I, I think I probably gained about five bushel an acre and, uh, I always asked, well, did you put it on every corn acre or did you leave any check strips? And a lot of the time they say no. So how do you really know <laughs> if you gained anything or not? Um, it, it may have not been that biological. 
maybe it was, you know, just the weather that year, but, you know, pick, pick one product or practice something different you want to try for the year and, and try it out and, and test it. Make sure you map it, mark it out in the field, make sure you know, um, where you put it so you can go back in the fall with the combine and actually check yields, uh, and, and compare, you know, just like we talked about with the population strips, you know, if you want to, want to try a certain biological or micronutrient package or, um, uh, higher, you're going to put on 30 pounds more of nitrogen or something, uh, with Y drop, you know, make sure you leave some strips. Uh, that's the only way you're ever going to know if it actually worked or not. And, do just do one thing per strip because when you start mixing two or three things in a strip you still don't know which one of those actually benefited um or sometimes maybe even hurt you yep yeah that i would stress that just pick one just pick one new thing that you want to try and only test that one new thing um i i I've seen that before guys are trying a bunch of stuff and ah, let's just ah, put it all in there, put it all in the sprayer. We'll just go paint the whole field. We'll do everything. And you get to the end of the year and you know, you, you might see some kind of response uh, compared to another field next to it, but that that's not always a good way to tell, right? It's gotta be in the same field. You gotta leave some check strips. You gotta be just testing one thing at a time. Otherwise, uh, like you said, Ryan, you're not, you, you can't tell what actually had the impact on that acre. Uh, if you if you start stacking multiple products, practices, what have you on top of each other. Yep, for sure. I think that rounds out the uh, the resolution part of our uh, agronomy podcast today, keeping it independent. But uh, we're going to try a little something new today. Today, Ryan's going to be the guinea pig. And kind of the topic is what, what are you watching or what are you reading? I guess just kind of setting the stage, Ryan, you know, this could be another podcast. This could be some kind of publication, another podcaster, influencer, print publication, whatever it might be. What are you looking at in the world of agriculture that you find interesting uh, going on today? One thing I find entertaining uh, to listen to outside of the world of agriculture is the Kelsey Brothers uh, podcast. (laughs) It's usually pretty entertaining. And I just want to put a shout out, you know, if, Taylor's getting tired of Trav dropping some passes, you know, I'm, I'm available. Um, that may increase our viewership too, if we can get some Swifties, um, listening to keep it an independent. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'd sell our, we'd sell our e-store out. Mm-hmm. What I really like to do, and I know some people are, they get sick of emails and their, their inbox gets overloaded, but I subscribe to several, uh, daily email publications uh successful farming has one farm journal we call it the ag ag web daily um farm week which is the uh paper that's put out uh every week by the illinois farm bureau uh they have a, a daily uh daily email that comes out and there's some really good stuff you can catch in there sometimes that you don't hear about um even at the coffee shop, sometimes you don't hear about, you know, some like some federal or state programs that are out there sometimes. Um, I just read last week that, uh, for example, that um, in Illinois anyway, they're uh, really making a push to pay for guys to increase cover crop usage. And uh, I think it's up to like 70 some dollars, 77, something like that an acre. Uh, there's certain stipulations you got to go through and, and uh, what to plant and stuff like that. But just little things like that you can catch sometimes. Um, you can read the whole email in about 
five minutes, if that even. There's stuff you can skip, you know, if it doesn't pertain to you, you know. Uh, there's a big article on dairy farming or something. I can usually skim through skim through <laughs> that pretty quick. But um, uh, one, I think it was uh, AgWeb uh, this week also that um, they interviewed four or five of the, you know, growers that are setting records with national corn growers and the and the uh, soybean plots and stuff and just kind of some ideas and different things that they're doing um, to get those yields. So I just kind of like to read my ag articles and uh, usually a little little better mood after that than just watching the news in the morning. So that's perfect, Ryan. That that's uh, that's perfect. It's nice to look through some of that stuff and and um, there there is. I would agree with you. There's tons of good material out there. It's just a matter of what you want to subscribe to and and um, and read and take the time to do so. So I think with that, that kind of rounds out today's episode. As always, thank you guys so much for listening to Keeping It Independent. As a reminder, we've got uh, an email address. If you guys have any questions or topics or anything that you, you want us to cover, you can reach us at agronomy at wiffles.com. Thank you again so much for listening. Hope you guys had a good holiday season. Stay safe out there over the winter months. And uh, like Ryan said, do a little catch up and some reading on what's going on in, in the agronomy world. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Eric.